This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Tibbetts with Brazos Valley Hounds near Fort Worth, Texas. And you are listening to the monthly fox hunting episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. This episode is for February 21st, 2019. This episode is brought to you by Coverside Magazine. Good morning, Horse World. So this is our monthly special episode about fox hunting. It occurs the third Thursday of every month. So if you're into fox hunting, tune in for the third Thursday. Or if you're curious about fox hunting, you never tried fox hunting, but you'd like to try fox hunting. You love to look at fox hunting pictures on the, on the computer. You like to wear dress in clothing that looks like you should be fox hunting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all for you. I think I got them all in there. So yes, yes. Coming up. On this episode, it's the 21st. We're only a week late, but we thought we'd do a little bit of a uh, a Valentine's theme. This is couples who hunt together. And we're not talking about the foxhounds, because foxhounds, when they're a pair of them, they're called couples. Um, this is all about people who met fox hunting or met and enjoyed fox hunting and continue to do so. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But in the meanwhile, before we get to our guests, I need to find out what Tara has been up to since last we spoke on last month's third Thursday. What have I been up to? We have been hunting in Texas. Um, as everyone knows, I'm hunting my young horse. This is his first season. And I, I feel like this past Saturday was kind of a, he really proved that he's put on his big boy pants. We have a particularly challenging Creek crossing that it's one of those ones, you know, where you go down, the really steep side and then it's a rocky creek crossing and then it's a pretty steep on the other side which can be intimidating for a horse oh those are the kind that get lots of hits on youtube yes exactly and i don't we hadn't crossed it at all all season and we'd been going to a different water crossing which i've posted a bunch of videos on because he's always really funny in the water and so we were kind of in a time crunch and i was like all right we're gonna give this a shot and see how it does and he absolutely knocked my socks off. We went down the little ravine and you know, you can tell when a horse is hunting, you know, we weren't going fast. We weren't in a hurry yet. We were just kind of going to our position as whipper ends. And he got down there and he kind of put his foot on the rock and the water and was really took his time. And he kind of, it was like a kid crossing the street, kind of looked both ways to see what mm-hmm. was coming. And he jumped it. Really? I thought he'd walk across it, but he jumped it, cleared it completely, went up the other side of the ravine, and it was a non-issue. Dang! You should, too bad nobody was there to video it, because that's the kind that does get lots of hits. <laughs> and I, 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 that's 100% true, and I will say our exit up the other side of the ravine I don't think was my best equitation, so it would have been even more entertaining for the video. Yeah, but you didn't get muddy on the way out. Your breeches were clean. Mostly, yeah. Yeah. Hey, when it comes to leaping 
running water with with steep banks on either side. Anybody who can get can get through it and stay in the tack has my admiration. Those are tough because you just don't know how it's going to go. The horse is going to leap. He's going to misjudge, and you're going to end up on his chest. Oh, it can be a mess. Yeah, yeah, totally. Especially, I mean, Simon's only five, so. You never know when something, and, and I didn't know this at the time, but the property where we were hunting, I don't know if I've said this, I hunt in Texas, but um, there were a lot of hogs around us. And sometimes those hogs can come running out of nowhere and just scare the pants off your horse. <gasps> oh, really? I hear that a lot from my uh, trail riding friends when I'm out hacking about central Florida here. We do have plenty of wild hogs as well. And I often hear people talk about how their horses are very much afraid of wild hogs. Is that common? Yeah, I think it's something to do with the smell. Interesting. It's yeah. it's very off-putting. It's it's kind of I'm sure you've ridden horses that were terrified of donkeys. I have one that's terrified of mini donkeys. Full-size donkeys, no problem. Mini donkeys, apocalypse. Interesting that there's differentiation. Yes. Mini kind of horses are almost theory. as scary, but mini donkeys are scarier. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that we've discovered is extremely scary and you have to be very, very careful are, uh, mounting blocks. <laughs> is that a recent thing? <laughs> well, here again in central Florida, we have, we have trails, a many miles and miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles of trails here. And they are very heavily used by our equestrians. But the median age of any human in Central Florida is probably about 70. It's just the, this is the yeah. land of retirement, right? Right. So the trailheads have mounting blocks. Well, the mounting blocks are those big concrete steps that you see at the, enter, at the front doors of mobile homes. Oh, wow. And they're bright white, especially when they first put them out there. And they're plumped in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere. And I don't know when they add new ones because I just don't keep track. So we're cruising along on the trails frequently at a pretty good pace. And we'll just round a turn in the woods and all of a sudden there's this giant set of white stairs in the middle of it. And uh, yeah, that makes for an interesting stop. <laughs> I would think that would spook a lot of horses. It does mine. He spooks at strange things. Yeah, donkeys and stairs. Yeah. Anyhow. Have you all been of out hunting this season at all? I have not taken Nigel out hunting this season. We were going to try to do some endurance rides, which have been, um, yeah, they've been troublesome. Like that's, that's not his thing. It, it, yeah, we're having trouble with the head game, the mental game a little bit. Yeah. So, and the hunt I used to go out with that I used to go out with that I enjoy so much, Misty Morning above me in north of me, uh, they only hunt on Saturdays now. They don't hunt Wednesdays anymore. So it's uh, been tough for me to, oh. to get going where I'm going. I haven't been going down south yet because the footing down there is just so incredibly trappy. It The horse doesn't seem to care. He just goes, but it freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah, it freaks me out. So maybe uh, maybe as the season draws to a close, because our season closes right around April, May, because it just gets too hot. I'm going to see if I can't go back up to Misty Morning again and, and hang out with them, because he's really pretty good with the hounds. I was going to say, Nigel's pretty good about hunting, I, if I recall. He's pretty good. Now, he he trots and canters sideways a lot, and he yeah. yanks my arms out a lot, but he doesn't do anything that, you know, one-third of the fox hunting horses in the world don't do. I mean, it's they get wound up sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now he, as he ages, he's, he's 10 years old now. So maybe he'll get another brain cell. He might settle in. We'll see. I, we'll and see. my Simon has exceeded my expectations brain cell wise, but my other thoroughbred definitely did not become an adult until he was 10 or 11. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. We, we had a little bit of brain cell division, um, midway through 2000, 2017. Uh, but I think unfortunately we lost that second brain cell about yeah. a month ago. And we're just now, I think, I think I've gotten the paddles on it and enough times now that we've sparked it back to life. And I think we might just be back to two brain cells again. Woohoo! Progress. Progress. It's pretty exciting. And speaking of fox hunting and having an excuse not to go out, shame on me. Our newcomers tips. What do we got going this month? So I'll, I'll send you the link to include in the show notes, but this was a, it, it kind of, this list of, Newcomer tips is from a gentleman who hunts in England and it made the rounds in Facebook and different fox hunting groups on Facebook. And so for the last few episodes, we have been sharing a couple of tips. So I'm going to read today. We're doing five and six and I'll read both of them and then we can, I'll, I'll read the fifth one and we can chat about it and I'll read the sixth one and we can chat about it. And I I contemplated doing a Jamie esque fake (laughs) accent but I just can't do it. Not everybody so, can pull it off. You have to own it when you do that. Yeah. Right. Jamie can't pull it off, but she definitely owns it. So See, that's the trick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So the, the fifth newcomer tip continuing on our list is, and mind you, this is from this man's perspective. So keep that in mind. He says, I constantly hear, I'd really like to try hunting, but, and then a load of reasons or excuses not to. There are a thousand reasons why you might not want to give hunting a miss, but there is one bloody good reason not to. There is nothing else like it in the world. This is a uniquely British pastime done in the British countryside. If you truly want to try it, there's no reason you can't. If I can do it, anyone can do it, and I mean it. So obviously we're not in Britain, Great Britain, but I have to agree. There's really no reason not to try it. Would you agree? Yes, I agree. I think in this day and age, a great majority of us live within the vicinity of a hunt club who is welcoming and open and understanding. And more and more and more fox hunts really want you to come out and try it. And there, and there is, it is unique. It's the only sport where it's based from my point of view, at least it's the wild west. You don't know where you're going to be going. You don't know how fast you're going to get there. You don't know when you're going to be coming back. You are going to be in places you've never been before. Now the staff, all of that is much more familiar, but for the rest of the field, it is genuinely an adventure. You just don't know what's going to come next. And for the most part, what comes next is just cool and exciting and interesting and exhausting and sometimes freezing gold. Um, but occasionally crazy and bizarre too. So it's, it's genuinely an adventure you can go on for an afternoon. It's, it's like those epic adventures that people talk about taking, you know, they go out and they, they hike the Pacific crest trail and, you know, crazy cool adventures. They go to the Mongolian Derby. These are little itty bitty compacted bits of that when you go out fox hunting. Well, and I think you get to see a version of the countryside where, where you hunt that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. Like 
my my friend and I went hunting in North Carolina when we went to the World Equestrian Games. And had we only gone to the World Equestrian Games, we never would have seen the countryside like we got to see when we went out fox hunting. A little jealous, by the way. A little jealous. It, it was pretty. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm going to get back up to Tryon and go fox hunting one of these days. Let me know if you go. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Awesome. So number six, it says it helps if you can ride. It helps if you can ride, but it's not necessary to be an awesome rider. Call your local hunt secretary and they will advise on slow days, newcomer days, children's meets, half days, non-jumping fields, old reliable plodding horses, and people who might help you on the day itself. You don't have to be a two-star eventer. And many packs, you don't ever have to jump either. Like most things in life, you can control much of your own experience with a bit of forward planning. Get involved at your own pace on your own terms. And I know for my hunt, we're in Texas. What do you see a lot of in Texas? Cowboys. So we have usually four or five times during a hunt season, we will have people come out in Western saddles and Western garb. The only thing we tell them they have to do is to wear an ASTM approved helmet. There you go. And there's, again, so many hunt clubs are really stepping into the 21st century and planning those kinds of days. And I love it when they have days that are especially tuned for newbies or for people who haven't tried it before. They're experienced riders, but they've never tried this whole fox hunting thing before. So they set it up so that it's not confusing or intimidating as far as the rules are concerned. Because people get intimidated about all the rules and regulations involved with fox hunting. And, uh, and that's really cool. And I love his, la- his last sentence. Get involved at your own pace and on your own terms. If it's something you want to try, just like anything else in life, make it happen. Yeah. And I would say every guest we've had on the podcast since we started talking about fox hunting last fall, all of them have espoused that you know, they welcome new people. You don't have to have the perfect outfit or the perfect this or the perfect that. It's about camaraderie and coming out and trying it and doing it on your own terms. Doing it on your own terms. And and people are very, very understanding and they, they want to help you because everybody who fought, who is an avid fox hunter recognizes that we have to constantly get new people into fox hunting. It's just like any other equestrian discipline you always need to be welcoming new people into it and as you will hear from some of our guests later in the show today the um there's so much more to fox hunting than getting on a horse that goes really fast and jumping giant coop jumps you can be involved in so many different ways again on your own terms you don't necessarily have to be the guy in the front uh running fast and jumping high to enjoy the sport and be involved with all the cool relationship you get to develop. Absolutely. And speaking of getting involved with a fox hunt, the is, is it the Masters of Foxhounds Association who brings you this yes. podcast each month? Are they the? Do you call them the governing body, the organizing body? What are they called? I don't know what the official term is. Governing body, I think. All right, Masters of Foxhounds Association of America. They're the folks that keep this discipline and this sport and this tradition all organized and neat and clicking along beautifully. And whenever you need to find out something about fox hunting in general, about a local fox hunt that you might attend, a fox hunt where in a place where you're going to go on vacation, all of those things can be found at MFHA 
com. Not to mention a lot of really gorgeous pictures. Yeah, and events and hunts near you. There's a map that you can click on. All kinds of information about getting involved in hunting. And not only is it the, the sport of hunting itself, but the Masters of Foxhounds Association, as well as the sport of fox hunting in general, are very involved with the conservation of lands. Because without land, you can't fox hunt. Without land, you can't ride horses in general. So they are, are avid conservators to make sure land stays open and available for riding, fox hunting, and otherwise. So I highly recommend you stop by and visit them at mfha.com. And I think it's time for us to welcome our first pair of guests because it's our couple's theme, Geraldine and Gary Hansen. So today we have with us Brianna and Dave, and I'm going to ask you one at a time to introduce yourselves because I know I will mess it up. So first, Brianna. Hi, I'm Brianna. I go by Bree. I am the professional whip with North Hills Hunt out here in Nebraska. Excellent. And Dave? I am Dave Kruger. I'm the huntsman here at North Hills, but they only know me as dude because I made the fatal flaw of wearing a t-shirt to the first time I met everyone with a shirt that said dude on it. So they all thought that was my real name. That is fantastic. (laughs) So they only know me as dude. They won't even understand who Dave Kruger is. Well, that's one way you could, you could just be incognito. And if you just, if you, if we cut all that part out and don't tell anybody, they'll never know you were on the show and you can tell stories about everybody. So our theme this month, we're, we're a little bit late and I understand Valentine's day was last week, but we kind of have a a Valentine's theme for the Fox hunting episode. And so we wanted to talk to some couples who hunt. And obviously, you all have a pretty unique situation in that you both are staff for the hunt. So we'll start off with Dave. Tell us how you started with North Hills and how long that you've been with North Hills and kind of what your role is a little bit more. And then I'll ask the same question of Bree. I started because of Bree. We were at, taking classes at Metro and I met Bree and uh, took her on a couple of dates while well, we went to the Humane Society to get a dog, but no fault of my own. We got one. And, uh, she said, before we go on any other dates, you have to ride a horse. So I grew up riding Western, but she took me to her English barn and made me go jump a horse. And I did that. And then, then I had to become with the hunt. So we started hunting and then the opportunity arose with the North Hills hunt, the previous huntsman left and I applied for the job and got it. And there we sit. Now I've been hunting with the hounds. This is going on our fourth season here. Oh, wow. I guess I feel like I asked the question backwards. So, Bree, how long had you been hunting before you took Dave? Um, before I took Dave, I had been hunting for 12 years. And, um, yeah, like, I mean, I started as a junior. And uh, this is going to be my eight. well, let's see here. I'm, 20, I'm 27. So, <laughs> there's the math. I started hunting when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. It's been fun to watch it from the perspective of being a junior and then riding in the field. And I um, dabbled in being staff there for our previous husband. And then, of course, when Dave took over, my role became full-time. And then this last year, I became professional. 
So are you both, do you, do you do your staff positions full time? Um, Dave is considered, or Dave is our full-time um, paid employee. And then I am a uh, volunteer, but I live here obviously with him and do all the kennel work and training and breeding and everything that he does. He's kind of our partner in that. So Dave, this, the whole hunt thing is really kind of your romantic story together. Yes. Yes. It all, it, she got me into this and we fell in love with it. And, and I've always, I've always been a hunter my whole life and I've loved working with dogs. And now I always had one or two bird dogs and now you got 50 dogs in the kennel to work with. It's, it's just magnified how much you have to work with them to get them all coming together. But, but we, we really enjoy that part is, is working with the hounds and and hunting it. You know, you come hunting one time and, and you're hooked. I don't think anyone could walk away from this after after their first time and say, oh, that wasn't any fun. I don't want to do that again. So Bree got me hooked onto it, and I, I can't imagine life without it. And, you know, I served in the military all over the country doing things, and still this is this is one of the most fun things I've ever done. You get to follow a pack of hounds going across the countryside. So did Bree, did you start dating and like hunting was kind of one of the first things you did together and how, how did, yeah, how did Dave's first absolutely. hunt go from your perspective? Yep. So we started dating in late spring, early summer. And, um, like he said earlier, we, we took him to the, um, equestrian barn that I was riding at and my trainer, Corrine, she's been in my life since I was little, little, um, said, all right, you rode in an English saddle, go jump a course and see if you can keep up with this girl. <laughs> and then after that, he rode an English saddle all summer taking lessons. And um, the first cubbing came and I was a diehard. I never missed a hunt. So my weekends obviously were hunting and being at the kennels. And he started becoming a part of that. And he loved it and fell in love with hunting and me. <laughs> I'd like to think at the same time. <laughs> Dave, what did you think of your first hunt? it's it's all such a blur the first time you go you know i think there, there's so much going into all i was trying to do is is hold on because i knew she wasn't going to come back and pick me up so if i got left behind i'm i'm on my own so just try to keep up the best you can but it, it's great it, you know the first couple times you're out there and it's the people that bring you bring you to the sport you know the the love of of everything everyone's got their own love of fox hunting but it's everyone comes together from all over, you know, every different walk of life. And that's what really, I'm a people person anyway. I love meeting new people across the way, anywhere I go. But I mean, this, the group of Fox hunters is truly a unique group of people that, you know, they can be doctors, lawyers, farmers, kids, uh, anything, anything and everything. And if you can ride a horse and keep up, it doesn't matter what you do during the week. If, if you can't keep up, you can't keep up, you know, there, it's all every man for himself when they really get going. That's it's, it's kind of cool. But the camaraderie with everyone, the way they all love the sport and they love the riding and getting together, it's, it's really cool. And to, and to think it was in my backyard the whole time and I never even heard of it till Bree. I know. I, I get. I feel like I get that a lot. I hunt in Texas with Brazos Valley, and when I when you tell people that you fox hunt, they look at you like you're crazy, especially <laughs> in Texas where you know. Obviously, I'm surrounded by cowboys, and they just they just look at you with stars in their eyes. But I'm curious, how was the transition from? So, 
I remember when your previous huntsman left and I kind of remember that transition happening and I'm curious, you know, how was that with your relationship when, when Dave, when you were transitioning into the huntsman role that had to have pretty significantly changed your day-to-day life? Yeah, it, it, you just have to uh, prioritize your time a little bit different. I mean, coming to the kennel, the kennel is a full-time thing, you know, but I grew up with having livestock my whole life. So, you know, with live hounds are not livestock, but you, you grow up with having to do chores and you know, there's not a day you can just take off. Like, I'm not going to go feed the cows today or feed the pigs today. So, it, you know, in turn, it, it is like that, you know, and in, in the amount of work that really goes into training a pack of hounds is, is something that I can only thank the, the great staff we have here with Bree. And, and we have a, a wonderful group of people that love to come out and walk out hounds and, and be around the kennel that I can't thank enough on a, on a, you know, you can call them any day of the week and say, let's go walk hounds and they're ready to go do it. And, and that's where you, you really, it really takes a team. You know, I can't stress enough to come out and work with them. The, the summer months are the ones that pay off for your whole winter of good hunting and, and good sport. It, it takes a lot of hot summers and a lot of hot days of frustration with, with young hounds. And, and, you know, I, I, I always grew up with hunting dogs, but they were one or two, you know, where you, where you can focus on them. And now you're focusing on, you know, a litter of six coming out and they all need trained at the same time. And, and it, it takes a group of people to really train them and get them going. So it, it, it did, but I, you know, you just got to find a way to balance it when you do it. Cause we, I, we both work at the County full time. So we work, we work our day jobs. And then, you know, in the morning, you just have to wake up earlier to feed, let out and check on everyone. And then when you come home, you, you fill your time, but I feel like when you fill your time with the hounds and horses, it's not really like it's a job. It's more like, you know, it's what you, you it's what you love to do. So Bree, do you do a lot of the, the hound care work? Like, do you do that together? Yeah. And I think that's the really fun thing about how our lives changed when we did move here and came into the positions we did. You know, we had our separate jobs and chores, like Dave said, you know, we've always had animals and livestock and such, but doing this, I thought, I think brought us closer together because we planned a lot more together and um, just learning the whole new aspect of the hounds. I mean, who are going to breed walking out? What's this hound doing this day and learning their behavior together, the ins and outs of the kennel and um, just everything. It became our new life together and the people we've met through it and everything is just, it's solely based on our relationship, where our relationship started and how we've grown stronger together now and where we are with the hunt together. Um, it's been really awesome. It's been exciting. I mean, it's definitely changed our lives, but in my opinion, for the better as a couple, especially. So Brie, I'm curious, you know, you've, you know, you hunted as a junior and you hunted as an adult. So now obviously you live with the huntsman or you're with the huntsman. So like, has your view of hunting changed a lot? And we have to get to some stories. There has to also be some good stories of potential adversity or just ridiculousness. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so like Dave said, from the first time he hunted, he knew he just had to keep up because I wouldn't come back for him. I'm sure you guys have heard of our popular fixture, Burwell, Nebraska. It's sand hills and um, just beautiful very well paneled and, you know, rolling hills and canyons. And it is our favorite place to hunt. And that was like uh, Dave's favorite, his, his first place to hunt. So that's when he was like, I love this sport. I'm addicted because he survived his first day. Well, you know, he had jumped a little bit over X-Rails and such, but his plan was never to jump in the field, you know, not anytime soon, obviously. 
well, here we go. We're on a run. There's a coyote 100 yards in front of us. I looked back at Dave, and I said some choice words, but I said, get your butt out of the saddle, grab mane, and don't let go. And we go over to this first coop, and I'd say our coop's average, you know, doe three feet out there, two, nine, three feet. And he jumped that first coop, and I think that was one of the first times I told him I loved him. Oh, <laughs> It was great. <laughs> So that was really great. And then, of course, our day-to-day stuff, just silly things happen all the time, especially in the kennel or, you know, oopses. And Dave, I'm sure you can elaborate more on a couple goof stories. <laughs> yeah, Go I mean, there's, it, there's, always, there's always little things that are always going, around, going along. And, you know, uh, the thing, too, coming coming with a couple hunting together, you know, we all have our strong head and I I think every fox hunter has has got their strong opinion on what, you know, what we should do and what we shouldn't do and who we should hunt. And so that's always a fun day to day activity when it comes to hunting day. And, um, not that I have the final say, but I'm always like, these are the hounds we're taking out. And I get the the stare down from Bree, like, why are we taking those out today? Can we take someone else? And a funny story with that is lease, like leases, Lisa's been my favorite hound besides Daisy since we've been here, you know, and Lisa is about as ornery as they come, you know, as far as a whip's perspective, from a huntsman's perspective, I always think she's just outgoing and wants to work hard, but the whips always <laughs> are like, she's too much work for us. Put her away, get her another day. And then uh, we go to the first performance trials down in uh, Kansas and she does extremely well and she uh, gets huntsman's choice and all this and, and um, they all come back to me. They're like, sure, whatever, you're right, right. You know the hounds, whatever, you know. So it's it's funny stories like that when, when you know, everyone everyone sees the hounds doing different things. But a lot of times a whip will miss a hound doing an extraordinary thing that I'm like, this hound has all the potential. She's just very immature to you guys a lot, you know. So those are the, some of the fun things that, you know, and we'll grumble back and forth on which hounds we'll take out with which hounds. Like, they don't go good together. It's oil and water. They don't listen. So it's 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 fun stuff that that I, I feel staff and, and and couples that work in the in the field can all go back and forth. And, like, when one does something silly, you know, we're with them so many times, you just see, like, well, I guess here we go again. So it's, it's things like that that make, make it a lot of fun, too. So, and Dave, do you feel like your relationship outside of hunting improves the communication while you're hunting or makes it a little more challenging? As far as getting along with, or... Yeah, the two of y'all together when you're out hunting, does it... Is there more nonverbal? No, it's it's pretty... We're pretty, all pretty close-knit family with, with, uh with the staff you know we we're all together a lot of times and my big thing is i'm the only one getting paid so if i'm yelling at my my help that's the worst thing i could possibly do we all make mistakes i make mistakes every day so i'm i'm the last one so we keep it pretty lighthearted and and we'll more we'll, we'll more jokingly get on so you know get on each other rather than come down harsh because at the end of the day we're all out there to entertain and we're all out there for fun and if it's not fun then um, we're, we're doing something wrong. So. So Bree, do you, do you get to voice your opinion on, on pairings for breeding and any, any of those, those types of, of responsibilities? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, that's a, that's something I think is really cool is, you know, although he's the huntsman and, um, you know, he gets the overall say when we came into this together, he's made it very clear, you know, the partnership or partners, we make decisions together. And I love that because in the huntsman's role, he doesn't have to do that, but, um, he knows how, you know, we did come into this together. So we work together in every aspect and, um, you know, as far as like doing chores every morning and then the evening and walking out and talking about, you know, what challenge we're going to take out that day, who we're going to breed, who's going to go to the hound show. And um, I think, you know, I know Dave talked a little bit about it. We do have an awesome, you know, staff family, but as far as mine and his communication, I would say it has gotten better. You know, we've always been open and honest and talk and, you know, talk about everything, but this is more the, you know, strategic talking and, uh, planning and every aspect of that. And, um, I really like it. I think, um, I think even outside of hunting, it's helped us. And I think it'll continue to just because we do do so many things together and plan together and, and every aspect of hunting. It's a joy. That's so fun. It makes me really want to come up there and hunt with you guys. (laughs) You need to. (laughs) I know we are. Our late, our letter last year came from yourself to come up here and see them. I know, and y'all have a, a hunt weekend or hunt week. Yeah, well, that's it's coming the up. The first weekend in um, April. Yep, the first weekend in April. Um, myself and one of our masters, MSH, Dr. Luke Matranga, are the coordinators for it, and um, we're actually hunting four days. That first week in April, the Tuesday, or sorry, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to do North Hills hunt, and Bell Meat's coming, and we're going to do a mixed pack together. And then that Saturday, Sunday are going to be the trials. So come for the whole week, come for part of it. Everyone's welcome. And we're super excited. That's fantastic. So if folks wanted to get in touch with you and they wanted more information just about hunting with North Hills or to attend that weekend, how would they get in touch with you? So they can go to our North Hills Hunt Facebook page or else NorthHillsHunt.com has the flyer and the link and everything you need to know. Or they can personally email me. And uh, my email is Bree, B-R-E-Danae, D-A-N-A. So Bree Danae at Hotmail.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions and get everyone excited about coming out. That is so fun. And Dave, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, would they go the same route? Or do you have different contact info? Uh, no, I. that's what's great about having a couple's relationship here. I let Bree do all the communications. I don't know. She takes care of everything on that line. So uh, it's the same communication for both of us. And, and that's what makes it so easy is, is, you know, no one's tripping over each other. Like, Oh, I scheduled this. I scheduled. I let her, she schedules everything. And I just show up on Saturdays and Sundays and hope I'm in the right spot. Wonderful. Well, thank you for coming on and we appreciate you being on horses in the morning. That computer seems to be telling us just what we want to hear. So this month's term is a very well-known, commonly used term of fox hunting, tally-ho. And the official definition, as I found on some official website online, is a phrase indicating the quarry has been viewed. So if you're out with a hunt, so for my role, I'm a whip. Um, I'm a whipper in. So I'm helping make sure the hounds are where they're supposed to be. And if I'm opposite the end of the property and I have hounds near me and I see a quarry, which in my property is a coyote, 
I will yell loudly or onto the radio, depending, and say tally ho to communicate to the other people who are out hunting that the quarry has been viewed and you know, that can mean many different things that the hounds are going to run a certain direction or um, to send the hounds in a different direction or myriad. Do you have any additions to tally ho, Jen? A clarification, perhaps oft times in uh, Hollywood, you hear the phrase tally ho used to indicate moving off at a rapid pace, but that is not what it's used for. Is it? No, and I feel like you often hear tally-ho used as a, like a greeting almost. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you'll, you'll, it, and I don't know, it kind of drives me a little bit crazy, but you'll, you know, you'll see, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody like who's it, trying to tie fox hunting to English riding in general, and they'll be like, oh, tally-ho. And I'm like, that doesn't really mean hello. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean anything at all. So when, when you view the quarry, frequently coyote is it so it's coyote not coyote i say coyote so am i am i am i showing my yankee roots by calling it a coyote i don't know i we'll need some clarification there yeah i think we'll have to do some research on that i've always called it a coyote i'm from montana yeah i say hoof too so i could i'm very likely wrong anyhow the (laughs) so when you view the fox or the coyote um, and let's say, let's say I'm a field member because I, I'm not a whip. I'm a member of the field, which means I'm following behind the gentleman in the red coat, the master, and I'm doing, and I'm going where I'm told I see a Fox off to my left. Yum, there he goes across the field. Do I say tally ho? I think that's perfectly appropriate, especially if you can't tell that the huntsman has seen the quarry. I think if the entire field is yelling tally ho, that might be inappropriate. <laughs> now when when anyone says tally ho is there a is there anything that the the person who's saying it does or says to indicate the direction of travel of said quarry i think that would depend on where the huntsman is from you if the huntsman can see you and is looking at you or can look at you i would probably point in the direction where i see it um, I feel this, you know, I, I would say I'm a relative newbie to hunting. I've been doing it for about eight or nine years. Um, but I think that might be something that varies from hunt to hunt. Aha. So that just depends on the type of communication that the huntsman likes to work with. Desires. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's making more sense there. I distinctly remember I will share a fox hunting story. When I hunted with myopia, myopia is a drag hunt. So the hounds chase a imaginary quarry. The line has been laid down by an, I'm using my air quotes, artificial scent. And we had gotten a few new hounds in. Well, the few new hounds that we had gotten in had been previously hunted on live quarry. Well, lo and behold, one day we are out and there's a fox (laughs) in the woods where he cast the hounds And the hounds that were from the live hunt got on the line and took a few of the older hounds with them. And they said, oh, this is great fun. And then the rest of the pack went the other way after the scent that they were supposed to be following. Oh, my. (laughs) Yes. So nobody yelled tally-ho. We all kept very quiet. And we're going, "Uh uh-oh, those hounds are in trouble. But they they followed that fox for a very short period of time. They gave gave up on him pretty quick. 
and we judged the hounds back to the rest of the pack. But that was kind of a chuckle. The one time I saw a fox when we were out hunting, it's like, oh, we're not supposed to see those here. <laughs> yeah. An oopsie. An oopsie. But it was kind of cool because um, that was one of the nice, unique things about myopia is because of the country and the fact that we're on a a laid line, we know where the hound, well, the huntsman knows where the hounds are going to be going next because he told them where to lay the line. Um, you can get pretty close and really watch the hounds work. Another reason. Yeah, and, and they hunt, know that they're going to have a pretty strong scent, I would imagine. They know how the scent is, how strong it's been laid down, which direct general direction it's going to go. So if we want to go around and flank the hounds, the master knows which side he should be going on. It's like, well, if we right. go over here, we can watch really close because I know they're going to go over there. Um, so for folks who enjoy watching um, hounds of any sort work at what they do, because it is a, it's a wonderfully unique process, another reason it, you can get in, um, involved with fox hunting. So there we go. That was just way more than we needed to say about tally-ho. A phrase indicating the quarry has been viewed. Dun, 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 I, and th I, I think it was, it, it was a conversation that needed to happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing with our February theme of talking to couples, today we have with us again, Jerry Lynn and Gary Hansen. Did I say your names correctly? Yeah. Yes. Excellent. So, Gerilyn and Gary, you all have been hunting together for quite some time. So, I'll I'll kind of ask you questions one at a time. So, Gerilyn or Gerilyn, tell me, did you meet before or after you started hunting? Well, and first tell us where you live and who you hunt with also. Okay. I live in Wadsworth, Illinois. And Gary and I hunt with Mill Creek Hunt Club that is located in Old Mill Creek, Illinois. The second question to that was, I met him um, two years, about, about a year and a half before I started hunting. So I met him and I met Gary in 1982 and I started hunting in 1983. So to be exact, we've been probably hunting together as a couple for 36 years. Did you start at that same hunt? Yes. So Gary, Dang. you had hunted a little before y'all met, is that right? Yes, I introduced uh, Geraldine to horses and uh, in hunting, and she took to uh, she took to it like a duck to water. So how long have you been hunting? Well. Uh, a, a year before, a year before Gerilyn, uh, you know, I introduced her to, so it, it was uh, more of a passion. Okay, so did you grow up riding? No, I grew up late, <laughs> and uh, I started. I was trying to set horsemanship back a couple hundred years, but I have a hard time doing it. So, I took a few lessons, uh, jumping. And I knew how to jump before I knew flat work. I do things uh, a little bit backwards for, you know, equitation. I feel like that's kind of common for guys. They want to jump. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, uh, jumping, you know, you know, flat work. It gets a little boring, you know, right diagonal, all that stuff. Going in circles is uh, it's not fun. 
real writing is that uh, writing out in the open where you have to make uh, decisions uh, for yourself. You know, it's like, I think of it like in the American Revolution. You know, George Washington used to hunt. And that's what made him a, you know, a good uh, commander because he had to make decisions out there. And in the hunt field, you have to make decisions uh, that affect everybody. So that's one of those things that, you know, I enjoy doing. So how were you introduced to hunting after you started riding? Uh, I was friends with the uh, the master. And then he uh, invited me to be his guest. And after the, uh, the first hunt, I was uh, addicted to it. So, Geraldine, tell us how Gary introduced you to hunting and how that first hunt went. Um... Well, in a nutshell, he bought me my first horse. Oh, wow. And we were dating at the time. Yeah, pretty awesome. I don't know how many girlfriends could, how many women could actually say that. But he told me about fox hunting. I had no idea what he was talking about. I went and I um, followed in a car and I got to see firsthand what it was all about. I said, I have to do this. So at the time, I didn't have... um, my horse wasn't equipped to fox hunting at the time, so I rented a horse. Um, and that, from that day forward, I was hooked. Um, I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't a very good rider. <laughs> but I learned and, and grew fond of the sport as the years went on and have loved it ever since. So, yeah, so since 1983, I've been hunting. Well, and I got to say, I, I, I grew up in, in eastern Montana on a ranch, and Nothing teaches you how to ride like being out and going and doing something. I mean, you can have lessons in an arena all day long, and it's just not the same. Did you find that to be true, Gerilyn? Absolutely. I learned so much in the hunt field than I would do in a ring with a trainer. Um, I mean, not that I, I'm not knocking taking lessons because I still do to this day, because you can never stop learning, but. Being out in the hunt field and the camaraderie and just the relationship you have with your horse, the relationship you build with your friends that you make out there, um, just literally brought me back every day and wanting to do it even more, um, which grew as a passion because um, not only have Gary and I been together this long, but it was something that we've always enjoyed doing together as a couple because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, how many things does a husband and wife love doing together? And, you know, we don't work out. We don't go to the health club together. So we have always found our enjoyment in the sport of riding horses. And then fox hunting just takes the cake. So, Gary, tell me, you know, in the 30-some years y'all have been hunting together, what what's your funniest memory? And then what's your fondest memory of hunting together? Oh, boy, I can get into a lot of trouble that way. <laughs> she could hurt me. Uh, well, for, we'll do PC for the radio then. Uh, well, one of my fondest memories is I was leaving third field, and uh, I had a few hounds around me and probably about 20 riders, and I was showing them the rock. And what the rock was, it was where the underground railway met. So I was 
showing him a very historic uh, thing and explaining to him. Meanwhile, uh, first and second field uh, moved on, and, and all of a sudden I noticed I had a bunch of hounds around me. Uh, that time I had a radio, so I called the huntsman and I said, uh, I'm, I'm by the rock and uh, I've got, you know, 30 hounds milling around. Uh, what do you want me to do? So the huntsman said, you know, bring him up north. So now at a hand gallop, like John Wayne, <laughs> reins in my mouth, radio in one hand, and urging the hounds in at a full gallop, you know, two, uh, two fields to the north. Oh, and, wow. uh, of course, you know, people are, are following me. So it, that was my most fond memory. So I'm, I was actually uh, a huntsman for a little bit, you know, with the hounds underneath my horse. So that was one of my fondest uh, hunts. Was Geraldine in the field with you or was she in a different field? No, she was in the, uh, she was in second field. And she said, well, Gary, can you do that? I said, I can do whatever I want with as the huntsman says I can. So I was under orders to, to do what I did. So do you have any funny stories about hunting with Geraldine that are radio appropriate? Uh, <laughs> well, one of her first hunts. He had to think about that, Tara. He did. Right? And, and then she yeah. couldn't uh, stop this one horse. And she's pulling back on the reins. And the reins are, uh, her hands are up in the air. So she's not properly uh, controlling the horse. She says, I can't stop him. I can't stop him. And reins are slipping through her fingers. Uh, since then, she thinks she's a better writer than I am. And she may be, but, you know, I still have a lot of tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> so, Geraldine, what, do you have any funny stories about Gary in the hunt field? Oh, I do. I have so many of them, but let me point out first that that little experience that he just described happened like 35 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I have, um, Are you sure that wasn't I yesterday. Have up, uh, <laughs> I have become the equestrian. Um, and I'm proud to say that I'm a much better writer now than I was then, but yes, I have, um, you know, I have lots of stories, but one in particular, um, I, I love about Gary is his personality and his demeanor when he's out in the field because he does lead third field because the horse that he rides is extremely laid back and he's one of these type of horses that everybody gravitates to. And especially if you have the newcomers that have never done this before and you're always, you always want to encourage these newcomers on board because it's, what we do. This is what we want. We want to build our club up and, you know, everything wonderful about it. So anyways, these riders will ride with Gary because it's their first time out and their love of the sport is so exciting for them because he tells his stories. His horse is, is laid back They're, These riders have a great time. They come home after the end, at the end of the day, they talk about the thrill they had and they're all walking up to Gary and saying, Gary, thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. You really made our day. We're definitely coming back. And I love hearing stories like that because that just is the beauty about the whole sport. And 
just building the camaraderie, like I said earlier, and the relationships and the friendships that you make along the way. I completely agree. And, and really the, the person who's leading the third field or, you know, second field, depending on the hunt that you're with, I mean, that really is usually the person who's hosting the new, the newbies. And that's, that's huge for every hunt to, you know, stay relevant and continue to attract new people. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody, um, when we, we hold hunt clinics every year and I help run these hunt clinics and, we have people that have like the fear of God, like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. And I said, look, I want to tell you something right now. And I reassure them. I said, everything's going to be okay. I like your horse. I've seen you ride this horse. You're going to come out tomorrow and you're going to do great. And I said, you see that man over there? And they said, yes. And I said, you're going to ride with him. And I said, everything's going to be fine. And I like you could see the weight lifted off their shoulders because I reassure them. And this is, and I'm not making this up. We've had many people come back because they ride with Gary and they say it was the best experience they've ever had. And, um, everybody loves him and we're, you know, Gary's been around for a long time. I would say a couple of years longer than I have, but him and I have been with this club for 36 years and we're kind of like the matriarch of the club. Um, and so we have a lot of stories and we have a lot of good experience that we could shed on everyone else too. So I'm curious, Gary, do you, do you all ever go, do you, have you hunted with other hunts? Do you ever, you know, I know there's some people in my hunt that will go on vacations to England or Scotland or Ireland or whatnot. Have you all ever done anything like that? Oh yeah. You know, out in Galena and, you know, down, uh, down South and we've been to, uh, and even down at the, uh, in, uh, Florida. But when I first started, uh, hunting, you know, I was kind of the best, uh, uh, the the bad guy <laughs> and uh, uh sir if you can't control your horse go to the back and field so i was always in the back of the field with this old englishman george edmonds and george uh had a pipe and uh this horse was always jumping up and down so after a rail on post and another rail on post george's horse was out of control and george actually got himself and the horse stuck in the tree Oh my! It took uh, probably close to a, about an hour or so to get uh, you know the horse out of the tree, but uh, the pipe was still in George's mouth. <laughs> so leading cool, right? you know third field, it's I enjoy that because this way I set the pace how fast I can go. Actually, correction, uh, my slowest rider sets the pace. So on the first and second field, the hounds at the pace, you know, how fast, uh, you know, you're going in the field. So it just, uh, I prefer to, you know, be in a little more control of, of my speed. And I'm 70 years old, so I don't, I jump if I have to, but, you know, it's, I've lost the thrill. Well, it's like, like I said, I mean, the, the leading the third field is, it, we, we have a, our, our um, master who leads the, that field for my hunt, we has a big percher on mare and we call her the bumper horse. Cause if a novice rider oh, can't the control best. their horse. Yeah. That's the best. And, and I've taken out a number of green horses myself and man, Mercedes, she'll always be the bumper horse and prevent your crazy horse from doing something stupid. 
you know, I, I like having a, a space between the horses. And uh, my horse was a bumper horse. There's one time where this one lady, uh, she uh, was actually using my horse as a bumper horse. I, I really didn't mind. My horse didn't mind. But then one time she got out of control and uh, threw her off. The horse jumped over a fence going into oh, no. the tollway. Oh, wow. And, uh, and uh, caused, you know, a little, a little bit of an accident. But uh, they, uh, they arrested the horse because he didn't have an eye pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but nobody was hurt. Yeah. So, Geraldine, Ed, do you ever ride in third field with Gary, or do you always ride up with first or second? Um, I usually ride up in first and for many years I've led second field. Um, and, and if I'm not needed in second field as, as the, the, the master, then I'll ride up in first or there are many times that I've ridden back with Gary. Um, third field is just walk trot. Um, and I would, you know, it's, it's always a lot of fun to, to, to pick up the speed a little bit and do some jumping, but I have ridden all over. So, um, but most importantly, I, I love riding with Gary. Um, it's just something that, you know, we do together as a couple and, you know, I miss it if I'm out there without him and vice versa, but mainly we, if we go together, we're together. If not, then I'll go by myself and he'll follow along in a car. Oh, nice. How, how many days a week do you usually hunt? And during the off season, do you ride together? Uh, we hunt, our, our season starts in August and we ride through December and we could go longer depending on the weather. And we hunt twice a week on Wednesdays and Sundays. Um, and in, and in between, um, we'll pick up a trail ride here or there to keep the horses fit. Um, but otherwise, you know, Gary, he, he loves to just hunt and get dressed up and get on the horse and, I'm the one that keeps the horses fed <laughs> as per se. So, um, which is fine. You know, it, he deserves to, you know, he works hard all week. So this is his, you know, one time that he can let his hair down and get on a horse and have some fun. Do you guys keep your horses at home? Oh yeah. Yes, we, we keep do. the horses at home. We, we've had our- so this way, you know, they're like big dogs. And when I go in there, they, 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 you know, they, they come in their stalls, you know, sometimes they horse around and go in the other guy's stall, but, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, three, uh, gilding horses. And the one that I used to ride daily is the, uh, grandson of secretariat. Oh, wow. And, uh, he, and he was actually born on our barn. It was a live cover. And, but he's retired right now. So, but he's, he's still fit. And right now it's a little snowy outside. And uh, we got the horses uh, on a round bale, and so they come in, in and out of the barn, you know, at their own leisure. When does your hunt season end, Gary? Uh, in January. Oh, so you're off now. No, actually, no, I, I, not January. I said December. December. It was December. I'm thinking of January, yeah. December, yeah. Ah, well, that I guess that makes sense. You are having some really delightful weather right now. Yeah. Yeah, when it's snowing outside, you know, the, uh, their hooves ball up and it gets a little, little dangerous uh, riding. 
Yes, yes. If you if you check out last month's fox hunting episode, we talked about um, cold weather hunting and taking care of horses and all that. And Jen and I are fortunate. I'm in Texas and Jen's in Florida. So the worst I have to deal with is mud and the worst she has to deal with is a jacket. Yeah. Oh, wow. The worst I have to deal with is, uh, is sunburn. Yeah. Yes. Well, Daryland and Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell us if, if people want to find out more about you or about your hunt, how could they find you? Um, well, they can always find us um, via Facebook. Um, they can email me, um, you know, pick up the phone. I'm, you know, we're, I'm always just, a, you know, a way just it's, I'm not that far from either one. If, uh, you know, if anyone has any questions or feel free to, I, I'm happy to share the experience or any, any newcomers out there. I'd love to share any ex- positive experience because it's just the way to go. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, how can, if you, there's just nothing better than doing something you passionately enjoy and on God's green earth. <laughs> I absolutely agree. And we'll, we'll put some of your contact information in the show notes. So thank you very much and have a wonderful yeah, day. Absolutely. Well, Tara, I think that's about a wrap for today. Two very interesting couples who obviously have a great time together in the hunt field. So uh, let's do up the wrap-up bits. You can find Coverside Magazine online at www.ecovertside.net or the digital edition at issueissuu.com slash ecovertside. Tara can be found at bigskybootcity.com. Find the links to today's guests in the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. There you go. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go by downloading the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search for Horse Radio Network. It's free and easy to use. And in addition, for the less tech-savvy folks in your life who you know will enjoy Horse Radio Network programming, help them download the app too. It'll help them out. It'll help us out. Everyone will be happier. And you don't need to miss any episodes. You can also subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. We're out there on what seems like all of them. And a big, big thank you once again to the Masters of Foxhounds Association, the MFHA.com, for helping to bring this show to you each and every month. Tally ho! 